Chapter Sixteen of Pixie O'Shaughnessy by Mrs. George Dehorn Vasey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Knock Castle once more. Mademoiselle was so exhausted that she begged to retire at once and was forthwith escorted to a huge cavern of a room which boasted tapestried walls and oaken ceiling and a four-poster bed large enough to have accommodated the whole fifth form at a pinch it looked cheery enough however in the light of a great peat fire and the visitor was feeling so unwell after her stormy crossing that her one overpowering desire was to lay her head upon the pillows and revel in the consciousness that her journeyings were at an end her tact suggested also that this affectionate family would be glad to have their baby to themselves for the first meeting but when she woke up refreshed and vigorous the following morning she was full of eagerness to get downstairs and make the acquaintance of the o'shaughnessys in their own home the night before she had been so faint and dazed that she had gone automatically through the various introductions and as the lights inside the rooms were by no means as bright as those at the windows even the very faces seemed seen through a mist but bridget had mentioned eight o'clock as the breakfast hour so mademoiselle leaped out of bed and wondering a little why no one appeared to bring tea hot water or a bath made the best work of her toilette which was possible under the circumstances truth to tell the room did not appear so attractive in the light of a dark december morning aided by one flickering candle upon the dressing-table the tapestry was worn into holes the carpet was threadbare and the silk curtains had faded to a dull grey hue the general aspect was so grim and dull both within the room and outside in the wind-swept park that the sun-loving mademoiselle made all speed she could to get downstairs to the cheering influences of breakfast and fire the sound of voices guided her when she reached the ground floor and she entered a room on the right of the hall hoping to see the family already assembled to meet her what a disappointment not one welcoming face did she see not a sign of breakfast upon the table and but a flicker of light on the huge grate before which knelt one untidy maid while another stopped short in her dusting operations to stare at the newcomer with unconcealed amazement was this perhaps not the room where breakfast was held mademoiselle inquired politely but it appeared that this was the room and she had understood miss o'shaughnessy to say that the hour was eight o'clock had she been mistaken in her impression molly laughed and shook her duster in the air so that the atoms which she had swept together were instantly dispersed afresh deed you were right enough the hour is eight but you'll be in fine time if you're down by nine she replied encouragingly and poor mademoiselle felt her heart sink at the thought of the weary hour which stretched between her and the longed-for meal nothing solid to eat since one o'clock yesterday and now to have to sit shivering and watching the provisions slowly taking their place on the table 
deterred by politeness from helping herself to as much as a slice of bread she felt intensely sorry for herself but after all the prospect was the worst part of the business for the kindness of the irish heart came to her rescue and while molly blew at the fire with a pair of huge leather bellows her companion scuttled upstairs into the room where bridgie lay sweetly sleeping to bring her out of bed with a bound with the information that the foreign lady was in her clothes and after inquiring for her breakfast in an incredibly short space of time bridgie appeared downstairs and as she broke into vehement apologies mademoiselle had an opportunity of studying her face and came to the conclusion that the little sister had if anything understated its charms surely never did sweeter grey eyes shelter behind curling black lashes and look out of a broader fairer brow the waving hair was of purest flaxen and the careless coiffure was as becoming as if arranged by the most skilful of hairdressers what if the mouth were large and the nose of no classical outline no one who looked into bridget o'shaughnessy's eyes had either time or inclination to look further i'm ashamed to think of you sitting here all by yourself she cried holding both mademoiselle's hands in hers and smiling into her face with a beguiling sweetness we always call the breakfast hour eight because if we said nine it would be ten and he must be punctual in arranging for a family but it's all for the best for i've told molly to bring something in at once and you and i will have a cosy meal before the rest appear and you are looking quite fresh and bright this morning that's good my heart was broken for you last night when you came in all perished with cold and it was so good of you to take the long journey to give us this pleasure you don't know the excitement there was in this house when jack's telegram arrived if we were pleased to think of having a child for the holidays imagine our delight when it was a girl like ourselves a companion for esmeralda and me a girl like ourselves oh bridgie bridgie you must have had a taste of the blarney stone too to have ignored so completely the ten years which separated you from your visitor but needless to say mademoiselle bore you no grudge for your short-sightedness and was only too happy to be classed as a girl once more they sat down to breakfast together and presently one member after another of the family strolled in and took their share in entertaining the stranger the major put on his most fascinating air and revived recollections of an old visit to paris and pat and miles stared unblinkingly at every morsel she put between her lips they were both handsome lads but pat in especial had such languishing eyes such an air of pensive melancholy that he seemed almost too good for this wicked world and as far as possible removed from the ordinary mischievous schoolboy mademoiselle wondered what beautiful poetic fancies were passing through his brain as he lay back in his chair and pushed the curls from his forehead then his eyes met hers and he smiled angelic questioning do you have frogs for breakfast in your home in france mademoiselle pat be quiet that's very rude 
it is not bridgie it's thirst for information or snails mademoiselle have you often eaten snails never once no frogs neither we have a breakfast much as you have here rolls of bread and honey and butter and coffee very good coffee and there was a regretful tone in mademoiselle's voice as she struggled womanfully to swallow the grounds of chicory which seemed to constitute the leading feature of coffee as served at knock castle she did not intend to show her distaste but the major exclaimed in eager agreement with the unspoken criticism and this stuff is not fit to drink if you will teach my girls to make coffee as you have it in france mademoiselle you will be doing me a life-long favour i suppose you can cook by instinct like most of your countrywomen i think i can pretty well but i do not often get the chance if miss bridgie will let me teach her some of our favourite dishes it will be a pleasure for me too i used to be very happy cooking tempting things for my father to eat hark to that now bridgie there's no better ambition for a young girl than to wait upon her father and see to his comfort cried the major solemnly and a merry laugh rang out from the doorway as esmeralda came forward and standing behind his chair clasped her arms round his neck the while she sent her bright inquiring glances round the table the whole duty of woman is to wait upon man and a good long time she has to wait too if the man is anything like yourself me dear we will make him an omelette for his lunch this very day mademoiselle if he'll promise to eat it when he returns an hour past the proper time i hope you're well and had a good sleep after your travels mademoiselle murmured something in reply but what she scarcely knew so absorbed was she in studying the charming picture made by father and daughter the major with his hair scarcely touched with grey his charming smile and stalwart figure and above him esmeralda in all her wonderful gypsy-like beauty her hair was as dark as bridgie's was fair and stood out from her head in a mass of curls and waves her features were perfect in their haughty aquiline curves and the bloom of youth was on her cheeks with such hair and colouring it would have been natural to expect brown eyes but what gave to her face its note of distinction was the fact that they were grey and not brown wonderful clear grey eyes which gave the beholder a thrill of mingled surprise and admiration every time she lifted her curled black lashes and turned them upon him mademoiselle stared in speechless admiration and esmeralda's brothers and sisters stared at her in their turn well pleased at the effect produced for what was the use of groaning beneath the whims and tyrannies of the beautiful miss o'shaughnessy if one could not also enjoy a little honour and glory once in a while End of chapter 16